Good afternoon, everyone. So our subject this afternoon is Jesus in Genesis. And what I'd like to do this afternoon is look at three areas. I'd like to think about the ancestors of Jesus and why they're important. I'd like to think about Jesus as the light of the world. And thirdly, um, the, the promise of Jesus within the curse or promise when God spoke to Eve and the serpent. And what I'd like to think about uh, across each of these is, is a few questions that we can ask ourselves. Um, you, you might be asking yourself, well, why, why are we doing this? What are we looking to get out of it? Well, what I'd like to think about is I'd like to look at some techniques for uh, linking one part of the Bible with another. Um, such as using cross-references or finding Bible echoes. I want us to try and see how we can, um, how the Bible message is consistent from beginning to end. And I'd like us to think about what it means to us. Uh, so those are the sort of things I'd like to, to, us to keep in the back of our minds while we're going through these particular chapters. Now, with a subject like Jesus and Genesis, you might be wondering, well, why, why have we taken an introductory reading from Galatians chapter 3? Uh, and the main reason for that is that uh, two of the areas we're going to look at are going to, are, are going to link uh, from Genesis to Galatians. So I thought that, that was a nice introduction um, for, us to, for us to take to sort of um, give us some context for where we're going to be going as we go through this talk. Um, but for each of the sections, we're going to start by reading a few verses from a passage in Genesis. So for our first one, where we're going to think about the ancestors of Jesus and why they're important, I'd like us to come to Genesis and chapter 12. And this is the passage when God first calls Abraham uh, and gives him some instructions. So let's read the first three verses of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So it's telling us here that Abraham will become a great nation. He will become a blessing and that all families on earth shall be blessed through him. And it's that third one, I think, which we need to explore a bit further. What, what does that mean? Well, we'll answer that shortly, but let's build up a, a little bit of context in the years that followed Abraham. Um, you don't need to turn with me, but I'm just going to turn to three, um, three verses in the rest of Genesis, which um, talk about the genealogy of um, of Abraham. So the first one I'm looking at is Genesis 17 verse 19, which reads, um, this is God speaking, he says, yes but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So this tells us that the promise to Abraham is going to continue through his son Isaac. If you flick forward a few chapters to Genesis 28, we can see a message to Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and that's in verse 14 of Genesis 28. 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So we see here the same message, don't we? It's continuing down the line of Abraham that all nations are going to be blessed through this line. And thirdly, in um, Genesis and chapter 49, uh, we see Jacob speaking to his son, Judah. So this is Abraham's great-grandson. Um, verse 10 of Genesis 49. Uh, this is talking about Judah. It says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and the allegiance of the nations is his. And we'll explore that a little bit further uh, later on. Um, but I think really just keeping your minds here that this is talking about a kingly line now. Um, through this line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Judah. So let's uh, think back to our original question. What does it mean that all families are going to be blessed through Abraham? Well, I'd like, if you keep your finger in Genesis, we're, we'll be coming back there um, throughout this talk. But if we go forward to Acts and chapter 3, let's see what Peter says um, when he's speaking in Acts 3. So in Acts chapter 3, um, you might wonder, well, how, how I found this? Well, my, uh, my cross-references in my Bible took me here from Genesis. They've, they've made this link. Um, I could have used an online Bible as well to, to search for the same sort of phrase, but my, my references took me across there. So that helps me make these links between these different parts of the Bible. Um, just the last couple of verses of Acts chapter 3, um, it says... And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. That phrase is very familiar, isn't it? It's the same as what we read in Genesis chapter 12. And this is the end of a passage talking about Jesus. It links the promise to Abraham all the way forward to Jesus being sent. And that the blessings would come through him. And if we were to go to, uh, we, we don't need to go there, but if you were to go to Matthew chapter 1, you'd see the line um, that we started in, with Abraham, the, the line through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Judah. We'd see that goes all the way down to Jesus, that Jesus is a descendant of these promises. So as Jesus, so as Genesis says, um, Jesus would be descended from this family. And I mentioned we'll come back to the line about the kingly line in Judah. We'll come back to that in the third one. But again, keep that at the back of your mind. So with this, we have uh, in Matthew, we've, we're told about the sort of biological aspect, don't we? We've got the link um, that Jesus was a descendant of this line. But I think there's a further link. Um, if we go to John and chapter 8... We get a different link between Abraham and Jesus. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to uh, the Jews. And verse 56, Jesus, um, Jesus says to the people he's speaking to, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Well, what, what does this mean? 
Jesus wasn't alive in 2000 BC or so, which is when Abraham was around. So how did Abraham see it? And a further conundrum is verse 28, um, where he says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before, before Abraham was born, I am. So how could, how could Jesus be before Abraham? Well, I think the answer links back to where we started in Genesis chapter 12. And it's quoted in that, uh, in that chapter we read in Galatians. Uh, no need to t- turn to Galatians. But it, uh, Galatians 3 verse 8 says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, God knows everything, past, present and future. He knew that he would need to send Jesus into the world because mankind would do wrong. And he told Abraham about it. That's what it says in Galatians there, that God preached the gospel to Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus came. And it, it comes out in these promises, doesn't it? To those who have faith. So that's, that's how Abraham um, understood what God was saying. He was a man full of faith. And when he heard this gospel, he understood that God had promised a future kingdom and that there would be someone who would come and would be king. And we're told in Hebrews 11 that Abraham saw this afar off. It's not something he experienced in his own lifetime, but it's something which he believed because he was full of faith. So in John chapter 8 here, it's not talking about Jesus being physically before Abraham. And that's actually the mistake in this chapter that the the Jews make in verse 57. Uh, They don't understand what Jesus is saying. And they say, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. They make the same mistake as a first reading, which we, we might have made. But it's, we've got to look a bit deeper. We've got to think about how this links back to what we read in Galatians and back to what the promises tell us in Genesis. We're told he, what, what this is telling us in John is that Jesus was spiritually before Abraham in God's purpose for the world and in his importance to mankind. And there's another aspect of that builds in, in Genesis 22. We, we won't go there, but you can look in your own time. This is when God tests Abraham in instructing him to sacrifice Isaac. And after Isaac is spared, God provides a ram for the sacrifice. And Abraham there understood that that linked to a future sacrifice for mankind. And that's what Jesus was. Uh, and that was something that Abraham understood. So while Abraham, uh, while Jesus isn't explicitly mentioned by name in these promises to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, we can see by, by linking these different parts of the Bible together that there can surely be no debate that they are referring to this man Jesus who, who would be born 2,000 years later. And it's a thread which runs throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Regardless of all the different writers, the, the time that's passed, the different centuries, it's a consistent message. No other book can, can compare to this, can it? And it shows that despite its age, it's still relevant to us here today, a further 2,000 years on from this event. So our second aspect I like to think about 
comes from the very start of the Bible. Um, we're, we're in John at the moment. Keep your finger there because we're going to compare um, part of Genesis to uh, the, the start of John. If, but let's go back first to the very first words of the Bible back in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 verses 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So that phrase in the beginning there, that phrase is exactly the same as what's used at the start of John's Gospel. So keep your finger in Genesis and let's, let's go to John chapter 1 and read the first verse there. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's the same phrase there, isn't it? And I think that's deliberate. I think John uses the exact phrase so that we make a connection in our minds between the two passages, between the start of Genesis and what John's about to tell us in his Gospel. I think John here is talking about a singular beginning. They're both, both Genesis and John, they're talking about the same beginning because we can see there are a number of comparisons here. We won't read through John, but uh, the, the, the first chapter of John. But in both chapters, we see that there's light and there's darkness. And that there's tension between the two. In the start of Genesis, God sends light to replace the darkness. And we see that the darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness is, is replaced and light shines in this dark physical world. And... The light brings life. The light brings life through the next five days of creation, all the way to mankind being created on the sixth day. And in John 1, verse 9, in, in, in John 1, verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. This true light here is Jesus. John tells us that in chapter 8, verse 12, where, when Jesus himself describes himself as, I am the light of the world. Now, we, the, the Bible is filled with echoes. These are passages which point forward to events that are, are still to happen, or passages which point back to events that have already happened. And this is an echo here, I think. It's where, where, where Genesis is primarily talking about the physical light and darkness of the world, there is also a shadow of things to come within that. This true light which John, which John is talking about. And John here refers back to this beginning. He refers back to the shadow. And he's now telling the reader that this time now, this time that he's writing, is when these things which were foretold will happen through Jesus. Both events which are the creation, the creation of the world and the birth of Jesus, both of them happened because God spoke and said it was to happen. He spoke on each of the six days of creation, didn't, we, didn't he? And all the different parts of the world uh, and everything in it were created. 
And he spoke to Mary through an angel to tell her that she would give birth to Jesus. We referred in passing, didn't we, to Matthew chapter 1 and the, gene the human genealogy of Jesus. Um, we also get that in, in Luke's Gospel. But I think here um, we also have the other side of Jesus' genealogy through his real father's side, God. Because this is what John's giving us. He's giving us the genealogy here, the spiritual genealogy of Jesus, in that God spoke and what God said was to happen, happened, and Jesus was born. And why is that important to us? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4, which builds on this idea of Jesus being the light of the world. Second Corinthians 4 and just verse 6. For God, who said, let, shine, let, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The light's more, isn't it? This brings another aspect of the light. It's about the knowledge of of the glory of God and this glory is revealed in the perfect life of Jesus and the challenge here is given by Paul in his letters to the Corinthians to us isn't it he tells us that we must shine this same light in our hearts so we can see again this consistent message right from the start of the Bible all the way through to the end these echoes link these different parts of parts of the Bible together and there are lessons there for us to take um, and explore and to put into action in our own lives. So our third and final aspect I'd like to consider today is taken from Genesis and chapter 3 when God speaks to uh, Adam, Eve and the serpent after um, Adam and Eve sin. And let's read a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3 verse 14 and 15. This is God speaking to the serpent. He says, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What we have here right at the start of the Bible is God telling the readers of the Bible, including us, about his rescue plan for the world. And why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that because there's a number of links in these verses with the rest of the Bible. We could use a concordance, for example, to see how the word for seed or offspring, depending on your translation, in verse 15, is the same as the word that's used um, in our first reference of today, when God was speaking to Abraham and to his offspring and the, the blessings that were to come to them. And helpfully, we have cross-references in our Bible, which take us, uh, at least in, in my Bible, it takes us to that chapter we read as an introductory reading in Galatians and chapter 3. So let's turn there um, to, to Galatians 3. 
there's a number of verses we could go to, but let's just jump in at uh, verse 16, I think. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say unto seeds, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. That's quite explicit, isn't it? That's, that gives us a really clear and succinct explanation that the promise here was especially to, to one person. And, it, and Galatians tells us that, that that person is Jesus. So if we think about this in the context of Genesis 3, when God's speaking to Adam and Eve, we can make the links there between what God's saying in that, in that curse and the life of Jesus. We're told that the serpent would bruise the heel of this, of this offspring. And I think that represents the crucifixion of Jesus in that that was just something that was temporary because God raised Jesus to life. But it, but it also tells us that the serpent's head will be bruised. Uh, and a blow to the head is much more severe than a blow to the heel, isn't it? And I, and I think that's talking about um, a future time. The, the serpent in the Bible is represented by, it, it represents evil and disobedience. And what this is talking about is, as I said, it's God's rescue plan for the world. It's talking about a future time when Jesus will return. And although that's a different talk um, or, or a podcast which you can listen to on our website, it's a crucial part of God's plan for the world. Galatians 3 tells us a number of things. We've, we've considered the promises to the offspring of Abraham, but that wouldn't be very good for us, would it? I'm not sure um, if... Uh, I, 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 um, it, it, if we were just talking about the promises to the offspring who were physically of Abraham, then that would only include those of Jewish heritage, wouldn't it? How would it, how would it apply to those non-Jews or Gentiles, as the Bible describes, those who are not of Jewish descent? Well, we have that here in Galatians chapter 3, don't we? We already read verse 8, but let's read it again um, in this context. Verse 8 and 9 of Galatians 3. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So that's telling us that it's not just those who are physically descended from Abraham who can have a part of these promises. It's those who have faith. They would be counted as sons of faith. And it's those who believe the gospel message. They can have part of this, of these blessings. And that includes us, doesn't it? We're told that at the, the last few verses of Galatians chapter 3, um, verse 28, for example, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That brings us all the way back to where we started, doesn't it? That the offspring of Abraham would be blessed and everybody who um, had the same faith that Abraham had would be blessed. And that can apply to us, can't it? But what do we have to do for that? Well, 
we're told here again in Galatians 3, just verse, verse 27 there, it tells us that we need to be baptised into the name of Jesus. And that's really the final challenge, I think, that I'd like us to consider, uh, to take away with us today. It needs action from us. It needs us to read the Bible and to find out what God's message is to us. We've seen today in just these three little, uh, these three, three little ideas that we've looked at starting in Genesis, that God has a consistent message all the way from Genesis through the rest of the Bible, through the life of Jesus and in these letters to the likes of the Galatians and the, and the Corinthians. He made a promise right at the start of the Bible that there would be a saviour to mankind, Jesus. And the message to us, well really the question to us is, are we ready to respond to this call?